You're listening to the Raising the Bar podcast, brought to you by the Association of Grayson Students. I am Eleanor Johnson, one of those students, and I'll be having a chat with barristers and wannabe barristers alike to demystify the route to the bar. Today's podcast is hosted by Gwyn Evans and Verity Bell, who will be talking about the new Grayson LGBT plus society and what it has to offer. Hello, this is good afternoon here. We're at Gray's Inn. We're in the advocacy training room and we are with Alex from the education department who's recording us. Now you're listening to Verity Bell who sits opposite me. Say hello. Hello. And I'm Gwyn Evans and Verity and I are together committee members of the LGBT plus society. So, Verity, do you want to tell our listeners what is the LGBT plus society? The Gray's Inn. The Gray's Inn. I don't forget the Gray's Inn. The Gray's Inn LGBT Society was set up to try and provide a forum for mutual support for all lesbian, gay, bisexual and trans, queer, intersex and questioning members and staff of Gray's Inn. Um, We hope that by promoting the visibility and inclusion of LGBT barristers and students and role models within the inn, we can help uh, promote and celebrate LGBT role models in the profession. So do you want to tell us a little bit about why you thought that was necessary when you came to the bar because you're, you're more junior than I am I'm about ooh, I'm, yeah, I'm, what I'm do you 12 do? years what, old what do you do, <laughs> do, you do Gwen? who are you well I'm a barrister at Tanfield Chambers and I do property law and private client work and matrimonial finance so um, I've been doing this for about mm, 10 years practicing and two years doing other stuff before end of training bit of fill-in that kind of stuff I I'm a former Beddingfield and residential scholar of Grey's Inn. I finished my BPTC last year and I start pupillage next year. And um, what made you want to start a society like this at Grey's Inn? I think there's a real perception of the bar and of barristers being a certain sort of person and that person is white, that person is male, that person is straight, that person is old, that person went to private school. And Mm. I think... One of the reasons I wanted to set up the LGBT society is really to help displace that sort of paradigm old-fashioned barrister and really celebrate uh, some of the diversity that is in the profession and make it more visible. Why do you think we need an LGBT society, Gwen? Well, we've got Free Bar and we've got BLAG. What what does BLAG stand for? BLAG is the Bar Lesbian and Gay Group. I've always thought that's a little bit of a black and white label because there's no room for bi or trans in the in in the word. I suppose you could have the you could have bubba blag, so it could be the bi, bar, lesbian, etc. But I don't think that works. Diff- well. Too many too many consonants for the yeah. T as well. No, um, free bar is inclusive um, mm. of all of those groups and says quite explicitly on its website. Um, and free free bars quite well funded by various sets of chambers as well, isn't it? From what I can see, and uh, has sort of relatively big events with quite notable speakers and the like. I think Blag is probably a little bit more social. Mm. Um, and um, we've taken elements, haven't we, from, from the, both of those sides we of have. things. I think what makes Grey's in LGBT society different from those bar-wide groups you mentioned is that the inn has a kind of unique access to student members. So people taking the bar course, people taking the GDL, um, about at the very beginning of their careers, really starting in the profession. Um, and they might not feel so at home in a big professional network, whereas at Grey's, we're small, we're friendly, um, and you really promote those relationships, sort of informal and professional, between uh, students and more established practitioners. 
Yeah, I think that's important. I think that a lot of the uh, sort of collegiality, I suppose, that happens at the inn is the events run for students when you have students come along, either people who are on the BBTC or people who are at university. And mm. I remember when I was doing, you know, when I was training and I, I met judges or barristers or whatever and, um, you know, had good conversations with them about all sorts of things. Can't remember talking about LGBT plus stuff, however. And um, I think it's probably good that that doorway is now open. So Absolutely. <clears throat> Absolutely. I think that's encouraging. I think it might be worth talking about our first LGBT society event. So the, the launch event. Do you want to talk about yes, that? Yes, we had an event in May and... Bree Stevens Hoare QC and S Chelvin came and they spoke to us about their experiences of being LGBT at the bar and uh, also we talked about the statistics that the bar council or the bar standards board um, provide uh, so where I think with a practicing certificate every barrister answers questions if they want to about their gender their uh, ethnicity whether they're from the first generation of their family to go to uh, university and whether they're disabled and whether they're what age they are whether what religion they would subscribe the to and so on they're protected the thank false, you they're the protected sweet <laughs> they're protected characteristics of all of them and um there's one on sexual orientation and basically they're quite high level so you look at all students then you look at all junior barristers and then you've got silks and i think there's possibly a pupils category as well and says so that there's four categories and you can give an answer to the question or you could have it there's a usually a rather not say or there is a didn't answer the question and um the first two characteristics so uh what sex you are 99.9 percent of people i think answer that question and then you come down to what your ethnicity is that's about 80 percent answer the question and then everything else fewer than 50 percent of, of the respondents actually answer the question so there's a big black hole we don't know there is a big black hole, so we don't know what the other 50% of those people who could have answered the question would have said, uh, which is sad, actually. And I, I, part of it, I suppose, is because what order you fill surveys in if you look, do the first two questions <laughs> and think, oh, my goodness, there's 10 questions. I just haven't got time to do Survey the other fatigue. eight. Survey fatigue. Um, but I did wonder whether it sort of spoke more about what people are prepared to talk about. And that in itself, I think, reveals that people are a little bit more uneasy about talking about what sexual orientation they are or whether they have a disability and so on. What would you say to people who would take the view that I don't mind what you do in your private life, I don't know, mind what sexual orientation you are, I just don't want you to bring it to work? Well, I think you are you. I mean, you're not taking your private life to work, but part of you, part of your makeup is going to be what your sexual orientation is. Or uh, if you're uh, trans, what, what you've chosen to be your, your, what your gender, you what gender you are, how, how you present. And I think particularly for a trans person, that would be really hard to mould themselves in a way they, that, that they feel, feel would be a fundamental conflict with who they are. And I think there's a lot of assumptions in the workplace that people are straight. I'm not saying this particularly about the bar, but I've worked at, I've tempted for all, all sorts of people when I was in my 20s. And I used to be an actor. And you just realise that people make assumptions about who you are based on what you look like or based upon what everyone else around you is like and actually if you can't be yourself I think you're probably going to be less productive and one of the things we need to do as a barrister is to cover a lot of ground and get a lot of work done and I think if you've got if you're dealing with an anxiety that you are unable to express yourself in a way that you feel would lead to you being accepted and hence you're 
inventing an alternative identity or whatever that I think you you might find that you weren't very happy. I suppose it's difficult to do your best work if you're in the closet. Yeah, that. I think the other factor is possibly because the bar as a profession is quite collegiate and obviously the, while there are employed barristers, the majority of barristers are self-employed. Mm. Um, there is a degree to which you bring your whole self to work and your practice and who you are as a person are quite closely intertwined in a way that might not be true for every profession. That's very true. I was on, the, I was on a student advocacy training day last Saturday at Grey's and um, the silk who I was doing the training with said that the way you are in court is as an extension of your personality and everyone's different. And I'd never thought about it like that, actually, but I think that's really true. So I agree with that. I think that if you are able to not be hiding something at work, and because people do talk about you know, whether they're married or whether they've got kids or whether they're in a civil partnership or whatever, then I think that you're going to be more able to be honest with your clients or with your colleagues and that can only be a good thing and we all know how much honesty is valued at the bar as well the irony <laughs> were we to be forced to hide who we are <laughs> so uh look I, I think actually the bar is probably a better profession for lgbt plus people than other professions what makes you say that well i think there's a lot of people who are here because they want to fight for the underdog for their clients and so i think people notice what's different about people I don't know whether that only applies to certain parts of the bar I mean you'd see that probably in a particularly pronounced form at say the employment bar maybe the family bar and probably at the criminal bar but it shouldn't depend on the extent to which your practice is switched on about equality issues no it shouldn't (laughs) and so that brings us to what we can do about it so do you want to tell us what's happening in December because we've got an event We've got an event planned. We do, we do. We have an event on Tuesday the 3rd of December 2019, held obviously at at Grey's Inn. And the point of that event is to have a panel discussion on judicial diversity. So we've rather provocatively titled it Judicial Diversity Should LGBT Plus Representation Matter? And we've just spent some time talking about why it does. Yeah. But uh, obviously, compared to other protected characteristics, so perhaps sex or or race or even disability, someone's sexual orientation isn't immediately obvious if you're, you know, sitting behind a bench. So I think that's why we titled it the way we did, Mm. Uh, not because we don't think that LGBT uh, plus representation matters. We have a glittering panel. We have Master McLeod, Master Victoria McLeod, who is trans. Uh, we have the Master of the Roles, Sir Terence Etherton, and we have Dorothea Gartland, who's a barrister at Four Paper Buildings. So, She's uh, also a Deputy District du- Judge. And a Deputy she? District Judge, yes. All of these uh, people will be appearing in conversation with Her Honour Judge Roe QC, who is a family judge. And we're hoping uh, to really encourage everyone, irrespective of how how close they are to making applications for the bench to come mm. along we you know we'd love to see students we'll be kicking off at 5:45 p.m. in the large pension room but you will need to book online yeah and that's on the gios system so uh, that's the grays in gios and what's more we have refreshments afterwards and those refreshments might be alcoholic for those of you who want to drink some alcohol so so there you go jolly good 
I think we're going to have the first panel of LGBT plus judges, and I think that's really important. Is that true? The first one? I think so. Freebar had several judges speak at their inaugural event, uh, and but I'm not sure it was exclusively judges. So I think we have um, we are the first in this respect. Great. I was going to talk about how I got the idea to suggest setting up an LGBT society. I don't want to make it seem like a one-woman show. It's definitely been a more than collaborative effort. <laughs> well, I remember that you uh, approached the education department when you were a presidential scholar and you suggested the idea and then they approached me and I'm on the Barristers Committee and so we talked about it and then I formulated a proposal and etc etc. But wh- where did it come from? Why did, you, why did you want to do that and how? I had my interview for a residential scholarship in 2018 and at that scholarship interview I was asked uh, what I would contribute to the inn or what I would bring to Grey's Inn if I were to get the, the scholarship and I had suggested on my form starting LGBT society but I didn't mention it in the interview I didn't want to sort of come out to a panel <laughs> of people who were assessing whether or not I should get a scholarship and it was actually um, a member of the panel who said look you mentioned this on your form I just want you to know that if you set it up we would be 100% behind you and you would be supported in doing that and I have to say that's absolutely come to pass mm. and I remember as a, as a scholarship candidate being shocked at the extent to which my perception of the inn as this very crusty, very backwards institution was completely changed by the efforts of those in the education department, those in senior positions in the inn, who Mm. absolutely, without a a shadow of hesitation, were uh, behind uh, this LGBT society getting off the ground. Presumably that was your impression of all inns rather than just Grey's Inn. Of course, <laughs> but I did only apply to Grey's Inn. Yeah. Well, I thought it was a good idea because I went to an interlaw diversity event and it was about the Stonewall Workplace Equality Index. Mm. And that's a list of companies who have gone through some um, assessment exercises to evaluate how well they meet LGBT plus friendly criteria, I suppose, and there there are a lot of big, obvious, quite high net worth firms in the list. So uh, a lot of blue, blue chip circle. solicitors, magic, <laughs> magic circle, circle firms, firms. Um, and of course, you know, you've got an HR department, or we've got a diversity officer, or whatever, an equality officer. Then you, you're going to have the ability to actually go through the form. I understand it's quite a, a time-consuming exercise to, to fill it all in and then you have to actually make changes in the workplace, which means you've got to get buy-in from your you know, governance boards or whatever. And I did wonder why there were, I think there were two barristers' chambers in the list, in, in the legal sector, and you would have thought, given the number of barristers' chambers, which I think is, um, it's over 700, I think, barristers' chambers in the country, I'm looking at Alex, who's sitting here. Alex, do you know how many barristers chambers there are? No. No, there you are. <laughs> I, 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 I know it's definitely over 700, because I, I, I have occasion to count them recently, but I can't remember the number. And um, you would have thought there'd be more people, particularly the big sets, uh, who, who, would, who would buy into this, and, and seemingly they don't. Well, there's two. I won't name them. i probably get their names wrong, but um, there's two very obvious ones. And one of the things was that um, there's a cost factor to it, but also I think 
it's about changing a mindset. And so if all the Magic Circle firms are doing it, and not just Magic Circle, but a lot of firms that have um, you know, a, a medium-sized number of employees and, but who are committed to this, um, then I think it's really important the bar does it as well. And, so that, and that's sort of political, isn't it? Because that's about saying that it's not good enough for, um, for the bar to, to do nothing. I think it's the shift from sort of quiet, polite tolerance to celebration and inclusion mm. um, of, of a diverse bar. And I think the next generation of barristers coming through, for them, it's something they take quite seriously. Mm. I think uh, there's been a sea change as well since I was sort of at your, your Ta- yeah, stage. Yeah, tell me, I'm really curious. What was it like uh, being a, a young gay barrister? Well, um, however many years ago that was, I don't want to speculate. I ooh, did my pupillage in two thousand and eight, um, and the set I was at was relatively straight laced, and um, there was a gay barrister there, but I got the impression it was a bit unusual, you know. And well, they didn't take me on, but they didn't take my two colleagues on either, and they were both straight, as far as I know. So uh, I'm sure that's nothing to do with it. But I, I didn't feel hugely comfortable being who I was there. At the same time, I'm from a generation that uh, I'm in my mid-40s now and I was at school in the late 80s and that was pretty gruesome with the legislation, Mm. the um, Section 28, 28, the Local Government Act, whatever it was called, that you you can't teach... um, Promote it. You can't promote promote it to school children. Homosexuality is a pretended family relationship. That was the, the turn of phrase, a pretended family relationship. And so then, since then, in the 90s, there were all the changes with sort of age of consent and um, allowing uh, gay men in the military and then that being widened and so on and so forth. And so there's been all sorts of legislative changes in my lifetime. So by the time I got to the bar, actually, I think most of that had been done. But I think that people, so people of my generation and older, that their mindset stuck back in the kind of 70s, 80s in terms of how they think about what's normal and about who they are and how they present and what people think about them in the workplace so i i think we could see it in the statistics at the at the may event there's a sort of wave of change that's coming through the bar so there weren't many female silks were there uh back in the day and that's now increased i mean it's still not great it's still about what 25 percent oh yeah it's it's far (laughs) lower than it should be but it's the same with the judiciary when you look at the the composition of of the judiciary it's no longer just white middle class slightly elderly men there's our panel who are uh, who are lgbt um, and there are also a lot of people from ethnic minorities who are coming up through the judiciary but it's a slower process because that that has sort of had its origins in how open training institutions have been to people how open solicitors firms or or barristers chambers have been to to people who are not white i understand that the jac the judicial appointments commission uh, have launched uh last year a number of diversity initiatives to try and encourage those from non-traditional backgrounds to join the bench so we're hoping that that event will tie into that as well well you've reminded me actually that well i contacted uh, one of the uh, the judges who i had thought would be a good panel member and he said that he was the regional uh, diversity judge or diversity champion or, or some very unusual word for a the, civil, the service JAC, for the civil service um, and uh, and it was his job to promote equality of opportunity in his his area and so I, I didn't even know that that was going on so I thought that was very encouraging definitely um, I'm sure that actually at our event on the 3rd of December we can find more out about that uh, excellent well no spoilers please so that there's quite a lot going on I think and I think we're in a, a world in flux in modern society in the legal sector and I think that's a really good thing and I think there's a lot of positive 
things being done and said there's a lot of groups like Interlaw Diversity Forum and we've got Free Bar as well who are pressure groups as much as they are social organisations or networking organisations and I think that that's a really good thing and that didn't exist 10 years ago or, or 20 years ago. I think the message to uh, people who are becoming barristers or thinking about becoming barristers is that their background shouldn't and won't determine their success and won't determine uh, the extent to which they will be included and encouraged in the profession. So yeah. that's a good thing. I think that's a good thing. Well, I think that's our aim. And at Grey's Inn, I know the education department's passionate about reaching out to people who are from non-obvious or non-traditional backgrounds and I think it's really important because actually you frequently find talent once you start looking for it in places where you hadn't you hadn't looked for it before I think once people realize that they can stop recruiting on the basis that someone looks like them Mm. or or sounds like them or was educated like them that's that's when you start to create change and start to to see a real difference Mm. and I, I think we could both say we're very pleased to be at Grey's Inn because Grey's Inn is the inn that supported this society and this initiative and it's going very well so far. Absolutely. Well it's time for us to wrap up now so Verity I think we have some thank yous to say. We'd like to thank Eleanor Johnson for letting us on her podcast. Yay thank you Eleanor. We'd like to thank the Grey's Inn Education Department for inviting us. Absolutely and Alex for recording us. Thank you, um, Alex. It's your final recording, Alex, so thank you very much. <laughs> Good luck, farewell. Um, and then if you are interested in signing up to the Society or coming to our events, you want more information, there's information on the Grey's Inn website, which is graysin.org.uk, and then the address is gibc at graysin.org.uk, and that's Grey's Inn Barristers Committee, GIBC. So that's the way to remember it. And uh, So many acronyms. So many acronyms, and... For this event on the 3rd of December, you don't have to be an inn member. You can be a member of any inn and there's provision to sign up with a sort of temporary login if you're not a Grey's Inn member so you can come along to the event, but you you have to book. So, it's goodbye from me. It's goodbye from me too.